Hello and welcome to the Trib Friday Night Podcast. I'm Chad Conine along with Trib Sports Editor Bryce Cherry. We're in the Super Syntex Studios this afternoon where there will be no talking about electoral votes, uh, mail-in ballots, swing states. Except you just did. Or any of those types of things. Any more talk about them. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm addressing the fact that we're not going to talk about it. Gotcha. But we are going to vamp for a while and keep you from eating your lunch. <laughs> well played. Just before we hit record, Bryce was saying he hadn't eaten his lunch yet and he yeah. played a lot of basketball. So it's, that's kind of a him problem, though, if you ask me. My favorite swing state is Nevada because, or Nevada, uh, because, I mean, that's where they went in swingers. Vegas, baby. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Swing state. Yeah, and it's like, it's known for gambling and, you know, it just all fits, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. In fact, we should just make whatever state Nevada elects, that's the winner. We should bring back a couple of our Vegas dudes, Jim Barnes and Jason Orris, uh, as guests on the podcast sometime. That's a good idea. It's a good idea. And, and But here we have talked about swing states and whatever yeah anyway, all right go on we'll move on uh i i'm guessing you are like me that you prefer to talk about high school football over politics whether it's you know november 3rd or august 3rd or whatever am, am i right in thinking that oh absolutely yeah so uh, give me one reason why i'll get i'll give you two okay. i could come up with a million but i'll give you two <laughs> one high school football matters more often than politics. It matters more than once every four years. <laughs> uh, and I think there's probably politicians out there that would say that it matter politics matters more often than every once every four years. But but that's one reason. And then I also feel like all right, even in high school football there's there's rivalries and there's you know dislike of each other and stuff. But I I somehow think it's a lot more cordial than it is in the world of politics where no, it's I mean it can be it, yeah I mean coaches especially are not gonna like publicly mudsling that's you know, true you know you see the opposite of mudsling yeah you see them sort of go out of their way to be effusive in their praise there of, needs to be like an opposite word of mudslinging yeah like yeah uh, yeah we need to come up with that mm-hmm Sandbagging, I guess, would be a close. Sand, sandbagging is a good way to put it. Cause it's not. It's not one to one. It's not a direct opposite. Right. But, it's yeah. it's the classic Lou Holtz tactic. Right. Where the the team you're playing is the greatest team ever, and mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, coaches tend to do that, but I I still prefer that to just the venom of politics. Sure, sure. You know, I'll, I'll say another thing is that you always have a result, you know, on a Friday night mm. or. Ninety-nine point nine nine percent of the time, you have a sure. result on Yeah, a Friday sometimes night. you get rain delays and that kind of thing, and you have to come back on Saturday. That happens about you know once every couple of years. We'll yeah. have a situation like that. But um, you were in the newsroom on election night. I was mm. watching it at home and, and doing other things besides just being glued to the TV. But we always laugh, and we'll, we'll pull the curtain back a little bit. We always laugh at the news side because what they do on election night once a year is kind of what we do every Friday night. Not to pat ourselves on the back, Chad, uh, because that's not what we're here to do. Uh, But you see it every election that 
there's always a little saltiness on Twitter from the sports, the sports guys yeah. out there because they're like, you know, we do this every Friday and we don't get pizza, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Election night pizza is kind of a thing, you know. But uh, I, I appreciate our newsroom and the news writers and what they do. And uh, Lord knows that uh, election night is is chaotic and um, complicated uh, because it isn't just a simple, you know, this team outscores this other team. There's a lot of a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things hanging in the balance. Besides, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, well that's fair enough. That's fair enough. For um, this podcast, we should call you Dangling Chad. Oh Lord. <laughs> You went the politics route. I was hoping we could get through it without that. In fact, I was hoping to get through this whole election cycle without that. Remember the chads? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah I bet no. that was a fun time for no. you. <laughs> Go on. It's like, you know, please it's like, save us. It's like when you walk into church on the Sunday morning and you're a kid and some old fogey goes, Hey there, working hard or hardly working? <laughs> so you're, you're, you're criticizing my jokes now. You, okay. Uh, all right, football. Uh, we talked about it the other day over text message. Zach Rabacek of Troy, star running back there, our super, our reigning Super Syntax Offensive Player of the Year, is 154 yards away from catching Trayon Smith, Cameron Yo for the Central Texas career rushing record. Troy plays Academy on Friday in a game they need to win mm. to get in the playoffs. I mean, he gets it, right, on Friday? I, I think so. I mean, we talked about it earlier this year on the podcast. You, I think you said he was averaging buck 90, 200? No, over 200. Over 200. More like 240. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so to me, 154, he might get that in the first half. <laughs> in a game that uh, they've got to win, um, and you know, he missed a game in there or, or else he'd – already have the record i mean um, yeah yeah definitely i mean it was against caldwell who's at the bottom of that district so yeah, yeah so i i think he picks it up and um and i think troy also probably wins that game and uh and gets into the playoffs i mean um they're not as good as they were last year they had they had Herbachik and a and a pretty solid stout defense mm-hmm. last year mm-hmm. um i think they've you know taken a little bit of a, a step back from that but I think the district's better. I mean, mm-hmm. the district mm-hmm. is so good, and and so if they do get in, I mean, they could make a run. anybody yeah. anybody in that district could make a run. Well, their schedule for the most part was tougher this year than it was last year. Mm. I think, um, and you're right. I mean, there anybody in that district is a tough out. Yeah. And um, gosh, you know, one thing that I didn't put down on our script, but I mean, look at them at McGregor Bulldogs. Did you peg them for a playoff team out of that district? Well, we we talked we've talked about it all season that that they had the potential, um, and would the potential meet you know the, the production? Mm-hmm. Um, and it has. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think they've grown up in in a big way, and I think it also shows the importance of a. A second season under a coach you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think that second year a lot of times is is big because um, you know the the familiarity is there you know you you have a comfort level now with that head coach you kind of know what he expects you know the system mm-hmm. and and a lot of times you'll see a jump from year one to year two mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, so we're here at the end of the regular season. It's, mm. we, it's taken us this far into the podcast to talk about this, but this is week 11 for 1A through 4A. Indeed. And in fact, this is the Friday night where I start to get really nervous about 5.30 that I'm running late because it's already getting dark. Yes. And I'm used to it getting dark while I'm already at the stadium. Yeah. Time change, that uh, throws everybody off. This week I'll be driving to Rockdale with photo editor Rod Adelot, so I don't know if that'll calm me down or make me more <laughs> tense. But, uh, Talk about showing people behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, next week we might talk about odds to win a state title and what that looks like. Sure. But, um, but for this week, it's, I guess, kind of the last week of the pound-for-pound pound rankings. Yes, and so my shakeup is this. Mm-hmm. One through five, Mart. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, they're just that much better than everybody. Uh, uh, and right. I was catching a little bit of a radio interview on my way into the office today, and I, I think it was Greg Tepper that was on. I never did hear him introduced, so I was sort of speculating, but I th- it sounded like him. Um, and he was talking like, uh, you know, in 3A Division Two, Mart would be a top five team. In 3A Division One, Mart would probably be a top ten team. And I think those are both fair statements. You know, uh, they are potent, to say the least. And, and you saw them in person on Saturday against a Bremont team that easily the second best team in that district – a, a, a game that everybody sort of pointed to, well, this might be a challenge. What was it? 78 to 6? 78 to 6. And Holy I think, crap. I think Bremont legitimately aspires to get to the regional final. Mm. Um, and, and maybe there was a little bit of a message sent there. That, yeah, heck yeah, get to the regional final, but this is what you're going to face. Yeah, no doubt. Um, when that happens, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot, you know, a lot that could be unpacked about how that game got to 78 to 6. Um, but uh, we'll leave that for a, maybe another time. Mm. It was 50 to nothing at halftime, and and you go to a classification down into 1A Division One. that game's over at halftime. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if I'm putting some other teams in the <laughs> rankings, let's say 6, 7, 8, 9, <laughs> um, I'm going La Vega at, at the next team after Mart. Uh, we've had the Pirates there all year. Um, they bounced back last week. Too. Yeah, they did. Uh, I've got Crawford in that third spot, and then um, or seventh or however we want to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course I've had China Springs sitting mm-hmm. right there, and uh, the Cougars lost a, an epic game again. Another game that you got to see last week. Uh, another one that probably took a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. But, in a different way, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot going on in that game. And, uh, you know, they pick up their second loss. Conley goes for two, wins it. Mm-hmm. You know, just an incredible game. Um, that may end up being the game of the year in Central Texas. Who knows? I mean, I don't. I, you've seen some good ones. That was a little bit better than the Troy-McGregor game just because it finished on a high note mm. where the McGregor-Troy game kind of petered out a little right. bit. Yeah. So I would move Abbott into China Springs spot. Okay. And then I I'm putting Conley in that in that mm, last spot, spot now. Yeah. Um and it's been kind of a 
a little bit of an up and down season for Conley. They started out real, real hot, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and then they they played La Vega really well, and we were we were really impressed with Conley. And then they they took a little bit of a backslide, and I think this win over China Spring can be a, a confidence booster for the Cadets, and we'll see what they do in the playoffs. They all do get a uh, little bit of a bye before. The, uh, yeah, they're off this week. Yeah, that, that Conley in China, you know. So now, now it sets up that district they're going up against. Um, if it shakes out like it stands right now, you got Gatesville against Carthage. Which, yeah, good luck. Know, congrats on making the playoffs, Gatesville. <laughs> right. right. I mean, and, and yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Luke Howard's second year, Gatesville makes the playoffs. That's good for the Hornets. But yeah, that's going to be a. A slaughter. So then you have the third place China Spring playing state ranked Jasper in mm. by district. Wow, so that's one of those like state game of the week type. type yeah, of, baby. The first week of the playoffs. Yeah, somebody will be covering that one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, one more question while we're at it, just so we can delay you getting your lunch for a little bit. But, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, on Gaither makes I think sixteen tackles in that game. Rushes for two hundred yards. Throws a touchdown pass, and then. Makes you know just the play of the year as far as I'm I've I've seen to pick up a bouncing ball, avoid the rush, and get it away to you know an open receiver for the two point conversion to win the game. Right. So Kevion Gaither and you know you put that stuff on Twitter and then obviously you know or, or, or immediately I should say people are tweeting about why is nobody it's, everybody should be recruiting this guy everybody should want this guy right and he's a little undersized to play linebacker. A little, maybe not quite tall enough to be a real effective defensive back. Um, probably not quite fast enough to be, you know, a, a power five running back. Mm-hmm. But he has such a head for the game. He caused a fumble in that game also that was huge for Connolly that Trey Wisner ended up re- recovering and, and it stopped a China Spring drive, which China Spring probably could have just salted it away if they had scored there. But he knocks the ball loose, Wisner recovers, and then Connolly's, you know, moving again. So, I mean, what would you tell a, a coach from somewhere like, you know, Texas Tech or Iowa State or, you know, kind of your middle-of-the-pack Big 12 type of team about Kavion Gaither if you were trying to talk him into, into I'd probably tr- start comparing him maybe to some undersized guys and other, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't know that – you know, Zach Thomas isn't a good comparison because he, Zach Thomas was so thick and, and he was just... Well, I think, but but Kavion is kind of that way. I mean, not like, you know, he, he doesn't wear the ring on his shoulder pad like right, Zach Thomas right. did, you know, but... But I would, I would do that. I'd probably start saying, hey, you've seen this guy. You've seen mm-hmm. this guy. You've seen this guy. They And the thing they have all in common, they're winners. And, they, yeah. you know, they make plays. Um, but college coaches are weird and they'll probably usually take... The, the slightly bigger guy, the you know slightly faster guy, um, because they feel like they can shape them and make them a, a winner, you know. I right, mean, right. So, right. but we've seen plenty of guys that that were like blue chip prospects that that wash out in in college football. So uh, to me, it's a shame that that guys like Kavion Gaither. And, you know, I'm, again, so, sort of going back years here, but like Jordan Parkus at Rosebud Lot. Or mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of another one that was like that, that just was kind of overlooked, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, it was always inexplicable to me 
why why that is. And let me ask you a question now. Okay. Uh, so, Kavion, that performance, as you mentioned, incredible, mm-hmm. um, came on the heels, well done, of uh, for Kavion, of you writing about two-way players. Mm-hmm. Uh, very mm-hmm. timely. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah it, usually it, we jinx those kids, but... Uh, but, no, it was it was on the money that night. Yeah, anyway. absolutely. Yeah. Well, t- well timed. I don't get paid extra for that somehow. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. But my question is this: uh, Super Syntex Offensive Player of the Year, Super Syntex Defensive Player of the Year. Where does Kavion best fit? And I'm not saying he's a shoe in for a superlative. Right. I'm not saying he's a shoe in because I mean we have Zach Herbacek. I mean Rodrell Freeman's going to be in that mix. Viandre McDaniel at McGregor's had a terrific year with right. some big stats. Uh, but Just keep going. You'll leave some bit, somebody out for sure. Sure, yeah. yeah. Emmanuel Abdallah. But right. um, which, where does he f- best fit you when know, you're talking about that? I've actually pondered this question just on my own when mm-hmm. I'm driving around or in an idle hour throughout the day, as we sometimes find. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I I would probably lean towards defense because uh, just the sheer numbers elsewhere are mm. so much better. I mean, you know, you put his numbers up against Herbacek's numbers, and you look at Herbacek's ability to turn a game on a single play or at least score any time he touches the ball. Which right. Is, um, it almost, it's almost like we should just have, like, a utility a, a player of the year. Football player. Yeah. A, a, a player of the player year. Of the year. Yeah. yeah. You know, there are um, some publications that have done that. Just yeah. player of the year. The Mr. Football type of thing. Right. And he certainly would be a candidate for that. But no, that's good thinking. I mean, uh, when, you know, when you have a guy on defense that absolutely just makes plays and dominates mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. you know like you know that he's out there because sometimes a guy can get a little lost on defense you know in terms of uh you know whereas a running back they're gonna get the ball a lot and you know but uh but when you know a guy on defense is like a, a player mm-hmm. I mean to me that that says a lot well you know it's just I made the basketball comparison with him and it's just like it was just like watching basketball uh, because you know, early in the game, they throw a, p- a pass down the field to Jordan Navarez, and and Gaither is, has really good position on him. It just didn't couldn't couldn't quite reach up and knock the ball away. And Navarez catches the ball for a big first down, um, and so you know, then you get beat on a play, just like you get beat to the basket, you know, mm. every now and then, right? And then you turn around in, in the second half, and he's knocking a ball loose. That's that's a key turnover, and and he's he's making the play on the offensive end. That that wins the game. So yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I think there's there's it, he's going to be one that we debate probably on both sides, and he might not end up getting either one. You know, he might not. Uh, I I'd be hard pressed to believe that he wouldn't make the team. <laughs> well, he'll be on the team. Yeah, he'll be on the team somewhere. Yeah. Um, gosh, we we've covered a lot of ground today. That's okay. Uh, People, uh, you know, this is what they tune in for, Chad. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess I'll just uh, this one one last question that I have. It's worth it's worth asking because it's interesting. Tig and Fairfield, big rivals. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been sorting through all the district scenarios, and Tig and Fairfield end up playing for basically fourth place in their district. Now, Fairfield, if they lose by less than three, 
could still that that would bump somebody else. Uh, that would bump Kemp out of the playoffs, and Tig and Fairfield would make it. Okay, but you know, yeah. So, would if you were playing and you got one win on the year, I think which is I think both those teams do, uh, and you were playing to get into the playoffs, you know, with your second win of the year, or just put COVID season behind you and go right into basketball COVID season, what what would you pick? I mean, you got to play to win, man. <laughs> you play to win, and and here's the thing. So I was talking with John Bechtel earlier this this year mm-hmm. at one point, and. Somehow, through the course of this conversation, uh, the Fairfield Teague rivalry came up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and I was and he was just like, "It's gonna be, it's gonna be crazy, you know, mm-hmm. it's gonna be crazy in week eleven. It's Last just, week of the season, yeah, you yeah. know that 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 is the game, that's the one, you know." And he and he was just talking that rivalry up, and I was like, "Well, isn't Mejia kind of that rivalry for you guys too?" And he was like, "Teague, man, I mean, it's just like." <laughs> Uh, I guess people in Fairfield and Teague, and they haven't often, uh, sometimes, but they ha- haven't always been in the same district. It's not district. a guarantee that they're in the same district at all. Right. Because but, Teague but was they are last time. Yeah. And so I think that's, you know, revived the rivalry. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, they're going to want to win. <laughs> and, you know, it, I can't see Donnie Osborne or, or John Bechtel doing this but we've heard stories of you know rivals and and it came down to a playoff spot or whatever and like the opposing coach mailing a basketball through the mail to the <laughs> to the other coach or whatever i don't think they would do that those but, two towns are close enough where you wouldn't need to put it in the mail you just yeah. carry a basketball bag over and put it on the other <laughs> there coach's you go doorstep. sure but i'll but tell that, you one thing about that rivalry it's uh, somewhat close to my heart um I call them my, my second family and the, the webs that I, mm-hmm. I grew up at their house. Even though I had a perfectly good house myself, I had two sisters and there were three brothers over there, so I'd go over their house a lot. Anyway, uh, Mr. Webb, Danny Webb went to Tig High School, and Mrs. Webb, Nelma Webb, went to Fairfield. Oh, Danny wow. played football at Tig, and, and Nelma was a cheerleader at Fairfield. And uh, there's a lot of that uh, in Tig and Fairfield, a lot of intermarrying between the two towns. <laughs> They're not cousins, are they? No, 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 no. <laughs> Thanks. We're off the rails again. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the Super Syntax Podcast. Come back next week.